Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. I need you to see what God was showing us is, is when you build your life upon a firm foundation that even though things will come and shake you and things may come to, to you know, man, look, I'm preaching, I'm preaching to the choir because everybody's been through some trouble in here. Everybody's going through some troubled times. Everybody has it. But I, I'm here to tell you if, you, if you build your house upon a, a, a sand, it's going to sink when the storm comes. It's going to shake when the wind blows. But when you build your house, when you build your life upon the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ, the Bible declares that when the winds blow, you will not be shaken. You will not even move. So I'm here to tell you today, it's just put your trust and confidence in the Lord. Do not put your trust in chariots or horses. Hallelujah. Man, praise God. Thank you. ¿Quién habla español? Poquito, sí. Bueno. Buenos días a todos. Buenos días. Pastora Calle estaba programada para predicar esta mañana, pero yo quiero terminar esta serie. Amén. Yo soy pastor. Sí. I am, right? Okay, just so you guys can get in the know. Good morning, everybody. Pastor Kai was scheduled to preach this morning, but I wanted to finish this series that we're doing right now. I want to remind you guys that, it's funny, uh, I want to remind you guys that we are a church that believes in the Bible. We believe in the whole Bible. So anything, I, I don't have my opinion to give you. Sorry but I'll give you truth. And the truth is found in the Bible. People always ask me my opinion of things. I say, I'm sorry, I can't afford to give you my opinion, but I can tell you what the Word of God says about it. And, I, and I'm here to tell you that we believe in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. We believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament points towards Jesus Christ because he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Genesis and the Revelation. He's the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. And the Bible points towards him. He is the word of God. And, and praise God, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We, there's, there's some things that I want to talk about. And I want to encourage some of you guys in here to start coming on Tuesday nights because I'm going to be mentioning things today that I really don't have time to try to explain, you know, to you uh, and expound on because these are things that are really deep. And, you know, some of it's Christianese. I'll be honest with you. Christianese. It's like, what does that mean? Okay. But we'll be talking about these things, and um, on Tuesday nights, we'll go in deeper. So that way, on Sundays, you'll get more understanding of what the Word of God is. Amen? How many people eat just once a week? Exactly. We eat more than once a week. Some of y'all don't even eat once a day. You, you take time to feed yourself when, you, when you're hungry, so why not come and feed your spirit when it's hungry more than just once a week on Sunday? Come on in on Tuesdays. It's a classroom setting. We have prayer beforehand, 
and we can come in and we can pray. If you're not a person that prays very well, come out on Tuesday. We call it prayer gym. You'll get an opportunity to work your prayer muscles. Amen. Amen. So let me get on into this. Uh, uh, la semana pasada aprendamos. Last week we learned. Mantenga su mano fuera del negocio de Dios. Keep your hands out of God's business. In 2 Samuel, the Ark of the Covenant was being transported on a cart by some oxen. And when the oxen stumbled, el arca de la alianza se movía en un carro tirado por bullas. Y cuando las bullas tropezaron, un hombre llamado Uzatoco el arca para esta vila. Help me out, Sabrina. Yeah. Bilizaralo. Bilizaralo. Thank you. You got it? That word has haunted me all day today. So let me tell you what it means in English. <laughs> there was a man named Uzzah that when the ox stumbled, he reached out to steady the ark because he thought it was going to fall because he wanted to help God. Some of you didn't catch that. I'm going to help God out. So he reached out. And at first look, you would think that it was, uh, well, let me say this. He touched the ark, y Dios se enojo y lo mató. God got upset and killed him for touching in the presence of God. And at first look, you would think it was severe punishment for trying to help. Hay razones por las que Dios tomó una acción tan severa. However, there are reasons why God took such severe actions. First, in the book of Exodus, in the libro de Éxodo, Dios le dio a Moisés, a Aarón, instrucciones específicas sobre la carpa de la reunión y el movimiento del arca de la alianza. God gave Moses and Aaron specific instructions about the tent of meeting and the movement of the Ark of the Covenant. Cuando el templo estaba listo para moverse, los lavitas debían transportar el arca, pero no se las permitía tocar nada santo o morirán. When the temple was ready to move, the Levites were the ones that were supposed to carry the ark but they must not touch the holy things or they would die. No matter how innocent it was done, no importa cuan inocente, touching the ark was in direct violation of God's law and result in death. See, this was a way of preserving the sense of God's holiness and the fear of drawing near to him without appropriate preparation. What I'm saying is a lot of us get this mindset nowadays, I can come to God any way I want to. And I know we heard, come as you are. That's not in the Bible. People in church say, come as you are to church. And let God change you. But some of us have attitudes on how we're going to come and how we're going to approach God. God was specific on how you approach me. You can't approach God like, God, help me. I want your help now. That's arrogant and selfish and fleshly. 
But when you come to God, you have to come with a humble heart. And he set up instructions on how to enter into his throne. Now, hablando de otra cosa, as a side note, poner el arca en un auto estaba mal. Estaba destinado a ser llevado sobre los hombros de los hombres. La presencia de Díaz se supone que es llevada por los hombres. When David put the ark on the cart, it was a huge mistake. The ark was to be born on the shoulders of men. The presence of God is supposed to be carried by men. Maybe you don't understand. But see, we get this whole mindset that the presence of God is in the building, the one that was made by man's hands. David put the presence of God, the ark of God, on something that was built by man. But God gave specific instructions that the presence of God was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of men. Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus Christ comes, he dies, he dwells among men for 40 days, and he says, I leave, and when I leave, I'm going to send you the helper. That helper is the presence of God, that the presence of God won't just be a round place. It's not in the church, but it's in the church, because I am the church. The presence of God is supposed to be born on men's shoulders, in us. Failing to follow God's precise instructions would be seen as not revering God's word when he spoke it to the people of Israel through Moses, who he appointed. It also would have meant that we have an independent attitude that might border on rebellion. I know what the Bible says, but this is the way I interpret it. Rebellion. It also means disobedience. You guys know God don't deal, you don't deal with disobedience with your kids. Uh-huh. It'd be spankings. And God chastises those who he loves. We also learned last week that there has to be a death before the presence of God shows up. I, I, I just don't understand the church today. People think that you can just do what you want to do. Okay, it's all about me getting houses and cars. It's all about me being blessed. It's all about me. It's all about God heal me. God set me free. God use me. God this. It's all about me. It's an it's a I, I, I. God, I want to be used. I want to do this. I problem. You have an I problem. And we're saying all these different things. We're, we're saying all that. But God says, no, I need you to die to self. If any man should come after me, let him deny Deny yourself. That means die to yourself. Die to your comforts. See, when you come to the altar, you can, you can expect the presence of God to show up because people don't want to come to the altar because they're just comfortable right where they're at. I'm trying to tell you. But when you come up and you say, look, I don't care how I look. I, I, I don't care. It's not about me right now. It's about worshiping a holy God. And I'm going to go before the throne of grace to attain mercy and grace in the time of need. I'm going to go before the throne. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to shout. I can't hold a note, but I'm going to sing to the Lord because to him it's a sweet smelling savor unto his nostrils. And when God gets that in his nose, when he breathes it in, he'll begin to breathe out the presence of God upon us. 
But if you're sitting there giving him that fake praise and that convenient praise, and I'll just praise him from where I'm at, and I don't want to get too loud, it's, it's not good. He ain't breathing out his life. He's not breathing out his presence on that. How can you say that, Pastor? It's in the Bible. It's called strange fire. Getting back to our story, we learned last week there was this guy named Obed-Edom. So when the ark was being carried, you know, and it stumbled, and Uzzah went, went, reached out to help, he touched the ark, God got mad, struck him dead, he died, and because he died, King David heard that he died. And you guys know King David, him and God were in tune with each other. He said, you know what? Instead of, most people would have done this, man, we need to hurry up and get the ark here. We got to get the ark right back before anybody else touched it and died. But no, this is what he said. There's a man in Edom. His name's Obed. He's a Gentile, not even a Jew. I want you to take the ark, the presence of God, and put it in his house. Now, let me, let me remind you guys something. The ark had been taken by the enemy, and had not, the presence of God had not been in the city of David for years. Listen. The enemy came and stole it because any time that Israel used to march, they kept the presence of God before them, and they would go into victory and win. So the enemy knew, if I can get my hands on the presence of God, that when I go out marching too, that I will go and I will also win the battles that I have. So they stole the presence of God from Israel. Now, Israel's getting it back. We're talking about something worth value. We're talking about something that is powerful, something that is supernatural. But you turn around and leave something that valuable, that supernatural in somebody's house. You would think something like that needs to be behind some big, big fences and some big walls. No, but David said, no, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I want you to take the ark to this dog's house, to this unclean person's house, and I want to keep the ark there. Obed-Edom translates in Hebrew as worshiper of Eden. <laughs> See, because he was a worshiper. God told David, leave it there because this man is a worshiper, because there's a death, because something died that it caused the presence of God to remain at a worshiper's house. See, Obed-Eden, listen, you guys, listen, listen, listen. Even though Obed-Eden was known as a sinner, even though he was known as an outcast, he was known as a dog, even though he was considered unclean, God made a way for the presence of God to dwell at his house. Why? Because he was a worshiper. No, 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 no. Let's get this wrong because I don't want to be, I don't want you to get into church talk when we say worshiper and we think that a worshiper is somebody that plays the piano or a worshiper is somebody up here with a mic and begins to sing. He had a life of worship. What you saw wasn't for a moment. Everything he did, he did as unto the Lord. And it got God's, pre- it got God's attention. And God said, because you've gotten my attention through your worship, I'm going to make sure that my presence will rest upon your house. I hope you're taking this old story and applying it to yours. Because if we become worshipers, God will make sure that something will happen to allow the presence of God to rest on your house. The Bible declares that not only did the presence of God rest on his house, but it says his whole household was blessed. The whole household was blessed. I don't know about you. I want my children blessed. I want my children's friends blessed when they come in my house. 
I want the potential mates for my children that come in the house to be blessed. I want them to walk in and feel the presence of God. And if there is any demon or foul spirit on them, it's going to chase it off of them when they get into my house. Because I'm a worshiper. You guys turn with me to 2 Samuel. Chapter 6. I'm going to read some familiar scripture from some of you that have been in church for a while, some new scripture to some of you that haven't been in church that long. But this is something <laughs> that if you've been in church for 10 minutes, you've heard people talking about dancing like David. We're going to find out where that comes from here. 2 Samuel 12 and 19. 6, 12 through 19. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Eden and all that belongs to him. Woo! Because of the ark of God, because of the presence of God. So David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obed-Eden to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord, that, it's weird because you see David saw the problem that he did. He didn't catch it because earlier he put the ark on a cart. Somebody died. He's like, I better not do that again. So it says right here, David, David said, and so it was when those bearing the ark, so now he put it on the shoulders of men, of the Lord had gone six paces, they walked six paces, listen, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Now the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, and Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord, and when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisin. So all the people departed, everyone to the house, with a meal and a dessert. They made a meat sandwich with a raisin cake. <laughs> Amen. To be a worshiper, it has to be what's on the inside. <sighs> now, I read all that, and it doesn't mean much or nothing to you. You know, David did this, David did that, and that's because we're not familiar with Jewish law. When we go down into the law and the law of Moses, I'm going to break this down for you real quickly. So just go ahead and, and, and buckle in and try to ride with me on this one. Jewish history, the law of Moses stipulates that only the male descendants of Aaron, whom are Levites, to be commissioned to serve before the God of Israel and all the Jewish nation. The covenant was for the tribe of Levi and not eligible for replacement by any other tribes. Only priests were allowed to make sacrifices, and priests of Israel were set aside 
By God, they were made holy, and they all were to come from the tribe of Levi. If you weren't a Levite, you could not be a priest. If you weren't a priest, you could not make sacrifices. Amen. And if you weren't a priest, I just said that, you couldn't make sacrifices. Now watch this. David, from the tribe of Judah. David had on a linen ephod, which were garments of priests. That's foul number two. Yes, I said number two. Because if you flip back a couple of chapters, you will see that David ate the showbread from out of the temple. The showbread was to be eaten only by priests. Then David makes sacrifices unto the Lord. Foul three. And foul number four, he began to bless the people. Now, I had to ask myself, God, why would you let David get away with what you disapproved, disappointed, and dethroned Saul for? And for those of you that don't know, Saul was the predecessor to King David. He was the king before David of all of Israel. Saul had gotten himself and all Israel in a jam when he decided not to wait on the Lord. Can anybody say amen on that? Woo! So Samuel, I mean, Saul didn't want to wait on Samuel, the high priest. So Saul, who's a Benjamite, decided to go ahead and make sacrifices himself before Samuel got there. Got himself in a whole lot of trouble trying to gain God's favor by works. Can I pause real quick and talk about that? So many of us try to get God's favor by doing things. God is not a God that loves you because of a performance-based attitude. It's like, okay, you think, okay, God, if I do this for you, you'll love me. That's why people always say, well, God, I cast out demons in your name. God, I've healed the sick in your name. God, I went and did this in your name. I've done that in your name and all this in your name. And God's like, depart from me. I never knew you. It's not about your work. It's about your relationship. And see, sometimes we get out in front of God trying to please God and trying to gain his favor. How many people know when you stop waiting on God, you're headed for big trouble? Mm-hmm. That's why you got in those marriages you was in. That's why you got that job you weren't supposed to get. That's why you got that house that you got to work four jobs to keep. When you get impatient and get ahead of God, you are setting yourself up for failure. It ain't nobody else's fault but yours. Talking about why, God? <laughs> why, God? <laughs> Y'all get the ugly cry. <laughs> Listen, saints, the reason why God is making you wait, because when it's all said and done, when the book is closed and it's finished, you will not have any room to take credit for it. That's why he's making you wait. Maybe you don't understand. You know why he's making you wait for a husband? So you don't take credit for it. You know why he's making you wait for a wife? So you don't take credit for it. You know why he's waiting to heal you? So you can't take credit for it. You're talking about, well, you know, I've exercised. I've been taking oil and I've I've done all this. And, you know, uh, I've been doing everything natural. So God put his super on my natural. And now it's supernatural. And me and God did it. God's not going to share his glory. He don't share his glory. God going to put you in a spot when he said, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saints of God, I got some news to share with you real quick. Stay calm. So you guys know for the last 10 years, 10 years, I've been on the heart transplant list up in Palo Alto. I got idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy. Yes. I was speaking in tongues, brother. I was speaking in tongues. You ain't understand no interpretation. But what I'm telling you is my heart only works at 19%. I have congestive heart failure. My heart works at 19%. Can I say that again? 19%, which means I need to be in a wheelchair, not being able to walk four steps without trying to catch my breath. I should be on oxygen, but yet I work out every day. I, I, I sit and I preach. I go through everything. Don't, don't think that I don't go through some troubles, but I have all this, and, and I can't take credit for none of it because at 19%, there's nothing I can do that will keep me go, moving and going. It is only the grace of God that I'm up here preaching the word of God. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm going from one of my bi-yearly appointments. I got to go up twice to Palo Alto. I hate going to Palo Alto because the traffic is crazy. But when I get up there, the people are kind. They're nice to me. And I get there, and uh, they call me the day before, and they're like, hey, we need to talk. I'm like, okay, we could talk. So when we get there, we sit in the office, and they do all this stuff. You know, they do these certain tests on me. And then I go and talk to my doctor, who is actually the heart surgeon, one of the, the greatest heart surgeons in the United States, heart transplant surgeon. They sit down and go, listen, John. We got to talk. What's up? We look at your heart. Your heart's terrible looking at it. You should be on, you should be on the list. You should be like ready for a heart transplant any moment. But I, we can't explain why you're doing so well. And because you're doing so well, we got to kick you off the heart transplant list. You... You, you can't be on the heart transplant list. We're kicking you out of the program. Sorry, not sorry. Kick me off. I, I, I was like, wait a minute. Is my supposed to happy, sad? Wait, what, what? They kicked me off the heart transplant list. I said, well, wait, what does that mean? You're too healthy. I can't explain it. And I looked at the doctor and I said, it is nothing but the grace of God in my life. I can't take credit for it. There's nothing I did. There's nothing I done. It's nothing but grace. I've been waiting for years. <laughs> and the crazy part about it, as soon as I walked out of here, the devil started talking to me. <laughs> yeah, now they got you off the list. If something happens to you now, you ain't going to get back on the list quick. You're going to have to wait. I, I told the old dumb devil, I said, you know what? At the end of the day, if I die from it, God's still going to get the glory. I just, I, I'm at that point now. I'm just tired of it. I got tired of it. I don't know if you've ever been there. I just got tired of it. I got tired of it, tired of just being sick and saying, man, what if I die? What if I leave my kids? What are my kids going to do? What's my wife going to do? I got sick and tired of being sick and tired because I do know if God is taking care of me, he's surely going to take care of my kids, going to take care of my wife. Trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. 
And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. My path is that of righteousness and trusting God. If I leave this earth, I would like to say I'd mourn for you. But I won't be mourning for any of y'all in here. Sorry. I'll be in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking down. I won't be seeing my kids until they get there. But honey, I won't see you until you get there. Praise God. So back to this, back to this. So I said, God, why would you let David get away what you disapproved Saul for? Why would you let him get away with what you killed Uzzah for? Why's David got favor? After all, David wasn't a Levite. He, wasn't from the, he was from the tribe of Judah. And God began to tell me this. He said, you are looking at David and not in David. Isn't that just like us Christians? We like to look at people and judge them and not look in them. See, we look at people's credentials to to certify them, and we look at people's situations to see if they're suited for the position. We look at a, a quality of a person to see if they're qualified. We like to look at the outside, but God said, look beyond what you can see and look inside of David. And God took me to a scripture because I'm like, so what do you want me to look inside of David for? I don't understand this. He took me to the scripture, John chapter 7, verse 42, and it says this, has not the scripture said that, the, that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was. Now I began to start looking into David. And I began to see the seed that gave him success. I began to see that that seed that set him apart and that seed that sanctified him, I saw that that seed that was on the inside of David was the presence of God. It wasn't just the presence of a king, but it was the presence of the king of kings. That seed, that presence that was on the inside of David wasn't just a normal priest. It was, the, it was a high priest that was on the inside of David. It wasn't a Levitical priest on the inside of David. It was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. See, yeah, you guys need to come to Bible study to find out who he is. It, that seed that was on the inside of David, it, it wasn't just a, a normal king. It was the king of righteousness that was on the inside of David. The presence that David had that was in him was Jesus Christ. The seed that David had on the inside of him was the presence of God. How do I know this? Because the word of God is the seed of God, and the seed of God is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus Christ. How many of y'all know when you have that seed in you, when you have God's presence way down on the inside, you can get away with a lot of things that people can't? Don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about sinning. Some of y'all was like, oh. <laughs> Let me tell you some of the stuff you can get away with. I'm going to tell you about some people that didn't have the seed on the inside of them. And they weren't able to get away with something. <laughs> Turn to Acts, Echo, 19, 13 through 16. Then some of the itinerant Jews, Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, 
who did so. And the evil spirit, this is so funny, the evil spirit said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them so that they fled out the house naked and wounded. That sounds like something straight up on, on uh, uh, yeah, just some on some ghetto, right? World star! Not only did they jump on them and beat them, but beat them naked, and they went out the house running. See, the problem with the seven sons of Sceva is this. They knew of Jesus. They actually worshiped in the temples. People could see that they were religious, but they didn't have Jesus on the inside. And if Jesus isn't on the inside, you can't have the power and authority that comes with that relationship. Yeah, yeah, man, we're sitting there thinking about those sons of Sceva. The reason why I told you the story about the sons of Sceva is because I need you to see yourselves as the sons of Sceva. If somebody up in here jumped up with, a, with an unclean spirit in here, what would you do? Most of y'all would run to that corner of the room or stand there with your mouth open. But when you have Jesus on the inside, you know you have power and you have authority to do those things that are not and call those things that are not as though they were. You'd be able to look at it and you'd be like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of him right now. But if you don't know Jesus, you should be afraid. Because you may end up running out of here butt naked and afraid. Saints of God, when you have that seed inside of you, when you have that word inside of you, when you have the presence inside of you, you can walk in authority. You have the presence inside of you to call those things that are not as though they were. When you have the presence on the inside of you, you become a blessing to be a blessing. Come on, somebody. When you have the presence of God on the inside of you, a hopeless situation begins to have hope. Dark situations now have light. When you have that presence on the inside of you, you can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When you have that seed on the inside of you. You have the presence on the inside of you. You could say, if God be with me, who could be against me? When you have that seed on the inside, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. According to Luke chapter 8, 11, it says that the seed is the word of God. Take notes. Luke 8, 11, the seed is the word of God. When that seed is in you, it's going to bear fruit. Now, I'm not, listen, saints, it's what the Bible says. There's no such thing as a fruitless Christian. No such thing. Because God tells us that he watches after his word to perform it. So if the seed is the word of God, God watches after his own word. If that word is in you, he's going to make sure it performs, which means it's bearing fruit. I'm going to just tell you guys right now. I'm just going to say, I'm going to share this because I do funerals for people. People come up to me and they be saying stuff like, you know, uh, pastor, can you, can you do funeralize this person or that person? Like, sure, I, I could do it. But if this person didn't live a life of God, I, I'm not putting them into heaven. I'm not going to stand up here in front of the congregation and say that this person was living a, a life totally contrary to the Bible and say they're in a better place now. I'm just helping you out right now. So if you know you got somebody that needs to be funeralized and ain't saved, 
Don't ask me to put them in heaven when I preach. Not going to do it. But if there's fruit in their life, let, let, let me ask you this. This honestly, because some of y'all are looking at me strange. Would you call a tree with no fruit on it an apple tree? How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Does it make sense? So if you're a Christian, I should be able to tell you're a Christian by the fruit that you bear. I mean, sometimes there's bruised fruit. Sometimes there's fruit that don't grow as big as other fruit, but at least there's fruit. Come on, y'all. I, I ain't hard. I'm just, I'm just Bible. I, I, if it seems hard to you, the truth isn't always easy. <laughs> Praise God. In John 1 and 14, it says that the word of God is Jesus Christ. When that seed is in you, it has to bear fruit. There's many people that confess Christ. It says, look, you talk, God. He says, with your lips, you praise me, but your hearts are far from, far from me. Your salvation isn't in your head. It's in your heart. And when it's in your heart, you'll produce fruit. I feel led to say this. Listen, saints, if you're in here, and, and, and it's the Bible talks about all this. Why well, we got to know what the Bible says. If you want to know what God says about something, read the Bible. Don't just trust me. Put it out there. I could be lying to you right now. You got a Bible. I gave you scriptures. Look it up for yourself. <laughs> well, you're a pastor. I know. But you know that it says in the last and evil days that there will be false prophets that will fool even the very elect. That's like real smart people. I'm not a very smart person. But they'll fool people because we don't read the word ourselves. Praise God. But I feel I felt compelled to say this. Listen, when you this the Bible says this, when you get saved, they call you babes. You're a baby in Christ. Which means a baby needs help. It needs to be fed milk. And the problem is a lot of times in church, as soon as people get saved, we want to start telling them all kinds of stuff that they have to do. Well, first you need to go home and do this and do all. No, 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 no. All we want you to do is when you repent and give your life to Christ, now we just start coming to church, start reading the word. We'll start there, start fellowshipping, start doing, because this as a babe, you know, nobody has a baby and just leaves a baby alone. We make, we make Christianity so difficult. God gives us all these earthly things to kind of put it together. When a baby is born, it needs nurturing. It needs to be on a mom's bosom, and that's what it happens in Christianity. You need to be on the mother's bosom. You know what that is? The church, the bride of Christ. Because when the bride of Christ produces babies, it's on the bosom, and it begins to drink of the milk. And as it grows, it will be, it has to stop, it'll be able to stop uh, depending upon its mom's milk, and now it gets into the meat of the word. Then with that meat of the word, you start growing healthy and stronger. And then when you get good, now you're able to go out and start discipling other people. That's where it all comes at. So when you're a baby, I don't, I don't expect automatically to see fruit when you're a baby. But one thing, I do autom- one thing I do expect to see and God expects to see is fruits of repentance, which means, okay, I was going this way at one time, but now I'm going in a different direction. When you turn your car around, the little navigation says you're either going north or south, and you're going to be able to tell by the way it says. When you repent, I can tell if you're going the same way you were going before or if you turn from your old ways and start going a new way. Amen.
God's presence is God's word, and God's word is the seed, and the seed will produce fruit. So let me ask you guys today, what's inside you? I'm going to bring this to a close. Are you guys full of you? Or are you full of God's seed? Are you full of God's word? Are you full of God's presence? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? This is the hard part, you guys, because what's happening now in churches today, we got people sitting in seats thinking they're saved. And I promise God, I will preach your word unadulterated. I don't care if we fill the seats. I don't care if this place ever gets packed out or whatever. I will preach the unadulterated word of God. I refuse to let your blood be on my hand. I would rather offend you with the truth than you be my best friend for lying to you. If the presence of God is in your life, it's about what's on the inside, not about what it looks like on the outside. God wants his presence not to be carried by an ark or a cart. He says it was to be born on the shoulders of men. God desires to put his presence inside of you. That presence is the seed. That presence is his word. That word is Jesus Christ. He wants to be inside you, not just the point of accepting him as Lord and Savior, but he wants to fill you and baptize you with the Holy Ghost. It is, not, it is not the same thing as giving your life to Christ. It is different. That's why John the Baptist said, listen, I indeed baptize with water, but the one that cometh after me, which is greater than me, he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost to give you power to live righteously. Behold, I give you power over that, over all the enemy. That power comes by his spirit. That's why he told the, he said, he told the apostles he, when he breathed on them. The Bible says when he breathed on them that they received the spirit of God, salvation. But then he says, now go and tarry and wait for the promise. There's some of you guys in here going, man, what are you talking about? I don't even know about this being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I heard about it. I don't want to be running around here and, and acting crazy and shaking my head and falling on the ground. I think that's crazy and all that other stuff. We're not asking you to do that. I'm not saying it's wrong either. I'm saying that every experience with somebody is a different experience for different people. And when Jesus baptizes you in his spirit, it's going to be a different experience for you. You may sit and weep. You may sit down and open up your mouth and begin to speak and pray in tongues. You may begin to just walk and wave your hands, but when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know something's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's something's going to start coming out your mouth, and, and, and you're just going to be in the pray, and you're going to feel different. And when you leave, you're going to be like, man, I, I feel different. I, I feel new. I, I, I feel like I have power, and I, I, I can do these things that God has called me to do. See, God didn't give you the power so that you can walk around like a superhero. He gave you the power to be a witness unto him. In Susun and in Fairfield and in Vacaville and all of Solano County in California. 
like, man, how do I do this, Pastor? I've, I've heard, you know, I, I've, been to, I've been to all the, the prayer meetings and laid hands, and I've, I've tarried because people told me to tarry at the altar, and I've got all this and all that. Listen, I'm here to tell you something. You've got to get rid of you because you're full of you to allow Jesus in. Watch this. Unclean spirits possess you. They do it without your permission. Demons. Because you open up doors to let them in. You do things and doors will open up for them to come in and possess you. God's not like that. How do I know? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will open up the door, I will come in and sup with them. But see, God can't occupy a room while you in there. You need, he, he want to come in, but you got to open up the door and step out the way and let him in. We got to get rid of ourselves to deny ourselves, to allow it. And here's the thing. Once we do that, once we repent, once we're there, this is what we do. Luke chapter 11, 13. It says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those that just ask? What you mean I ain't got to roll three times? All I got to do is ask? You got to ask, but you got to ask sincerely. Remember we talked about God made a way to come? He set up boundaries. He set up boundaries. He said, you got to come to me with clean hands and a pure heart. God, I don't even know about this. Me and my wife, when we got together, me and my wife, when we started dating, first argument, I use the word dating loosely. We didn't date. I said we courted. Because when I, when I laid eyes on her, I was like, I'm marrying this girl. So we were courting. We were seeing each other. And the first argument we got into was baptism of the Holy Ghost. She goes, it's not for everybody. I said, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And it says, unto your generations. And we, we got in an argument. She had all kinds of pastors call me. <laughs> watch this. Watch this. I'm on the phone with other pastors. They're telling me, no, it's only for the elect and, you know, people in a pastor position. I was like, I'm sorry. I, I'm, me reading the scripture, it says it's for everyone. Everyone. So yeah, we get off the phone. Get off the phone. Blah, blah, blah. We're arguing. So the cold part about this, I got to tell the whole story. One day I was fasting and I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and he said, she's not the one for you. I was like, what? God, come on, man, because I really have feelings for this woman. She's everything I ever prayed for. God said, she's not the one. End it. So me, I'm a soldier. I called her up and said, hey, I was just praying and God told me you ain't the one. It's over. Bye. Well, I did. I'm a soldier. And uh, somebody needs to hear this, huh? So after that happened, after that happened, months later, we were attending the same church, but she started coming to the church I was at, which was a Pentecostal church. She was going to a Baptist church. Nothing against Baptist churches, but she was at a Baptist church, and she started going to the church I was going to. And I remember we were having a prayer meeting, and I was sitting down, and I was praying. I was like, thank you, Lord. Bless you. And all of a sudden, she walks by me, and I hear her going, nah, 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 you shit. I said, she's faking. 
I'm a good catch. You know, people do. She's going to do anything to get with me. Right? Tell the truth and shame the devil. So I'm praying. She walked by me, and I, I ain't even tripping. But here's the crazy part, because my pastor at the time, after it was all said and done, he looked at me, he goes, something's changed about her. He said, something's different. I was like, okay. All right. I didn't know what was going on. Weeks later, now weeks later, I'm in prayer again, fasting, praying, and the Lord spoke to me. He says, I, he gave me a release to call her and ask her, does she want to be with me? be together again. So I call her, and I said, hey, how you doing? She's like, I'm fine. I said, listen, I've been praying, and, and hey, you still want to be with me? <laughs> Watch this, though. Watch this. There's a long pause. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you the cold part about this, Saint. I thought the whole time because of the calling of God on my life, I thought the whole time that she was going to ruin the call of God on my life because she wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. She was going to slow me down because she wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. Watch this. God said, no, 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 no. Get off that pedestal. Let me, let me bust your bubble. He says, she wasn't holding you back. You were holding her back. Oh, yeah, that, that's a bubble popper right there. Oh, oh. I'm, I'm anointed. I'm called. I've been prophesied over. He said, you were holding her back because there was some, a desire in her heart. And you were interfering with that desire. So when we cut it off, she had no choice but to leave me alone and start focusing on God. I hate to tell her testimony, but listen, for a woman that didn't believe that baptism of the Holy Spirit was for everybody, she gets in a room after reading a book by Joyce Myers. She gets on her knees and says, God, if this is for me, then I want it. Give it to me right now. God came in a room, filtered with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And she was, she's been full of the Spirit ever since. Because she just asked. She just asked, saints. Some of y'all in here, I want it. I want it. I want it. We got to get rid of ourselves. She had to die to herself. And when she died to herself, it was time that she could ask God, fill me with your seed. Fill me with your word. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me. Woo! And because she's filled with the Spirit, I got the best wife I could ever have. (laughs) Stand to your feet. I don't have time to teach it, but in the book of Acts, when the church began, everybody in the church was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Everybody. When when they found out churches hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they sent the apostles up to those churches to teach about the Holy Spirit. And when they heard about it, they received the Holy Spirit with gladness. They didn't have to super understand it, but they knew enough of the word that they go, well, wait a minute. We trust you. You said it's for us? Well, I want what God has for me because guess what? He paid for it. 
If I told everybody right now that I paid for whatever you want to eat at La Cabana, all you got to do is go get it. Would you just go over there and get some chips? You would get everything I paid for. Did you catch the analogy? Jesus came and he died. And he died for us to have life and life more abundantly. He came for us to live and walk with his spirit. And because he paid for it, I want it all. I want it all. So all you got to do is ask. You got to empty yourself of yourself. God desires to fill his church, to bring his church back to a first century church. Where we're a church that makes a difference. Because when we get the people saved, when we get the people, listen, most people don't believe this. If I can get the people saved and full of the Holy Ghost, and we have a revival running through the, the strong wind too soon, watch this. You get a country saved, you get leadership changed. You guys didn't catch that. You don't, if you don't like our leaders in Congress and our leaders that are presidents, our leaders that are in the House of the Senate, Get people saved. You know why? Because the Bible declares this. It says that people heap up for themselves, prophets, leaders, because they have itching ears. Those people are only in there doing what people want. If we get everybody saved, we all have a holy mindset, and those that represent us are going to try to please us because we heap up for ourselves, prophets, leaders. We're their constituents. If we get saved, we want godly things. And they're going to have to give us godly things. So now we have a work. First, let's get filled with the Spirit of God. Pray with me real quick. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for your word. God, I just ask that you reveal in us that which is keeping us from receiving the fullness of your Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, we repent of that right now. Help us evict ourselves out of our lives. Lord, we ask right now that you said in your word that you would give us your spirit if we just ask. So we ask right now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Fill us new right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for it right now, Lord. And we know that by faith we receive it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.